I'm Desiree. And I'm Taylor. You're tuned into Birthkeeper Banter, a space to discuss powerful birth stories, radical birthkeeping, and all things birth outside of the box. This podcast is produced by Herbal Training, and nothing discussed should be considered medical advice because birth is not a medical event. For classes and more information, go to herbal.teachable.com. guys welcome to this episode of birthkeeper banter i'm here with desiree and sam um sam is from florida and she is going to share her variety of birth stories with us today so welcome sam thanks for joining us thank you so much it's a pleasure to be here perfect so let's go ahead and start with your first baby so when you found out that you were pregnant with him were you in a natural health how did that go for you um so When I found out I was pregnant with him, I had the, I lived in Missouri and I had the idea of home birth in my mind, but I did not know that it was an option. I didn't know a lot about it and the influences that I had around me did not know a lot about it. So I was 21, I was 20 years old. Yeah. I was 20 years old when I had him. No, I was 21. I'm sorry. Um, when I got pregnant with him and then I had my birthday, I was due like, right. I was due right after I had my birthday. And so I was still fairly young. I was still pretty, um, influenced by a lot impressionable, you know? Um, so I just went with the hospital birth. I mean, I was, kind of as a child, I was into the natural stuff and growing up, I never took medicine and all of that. And, but it never crossed my mind to, you know, free birth or, or, you know, what go dive deeper into home birth or anything like that. I was just like, okay, well, this is what it is. I'm going to get on Medicaid because I was low income and I'll just do it in the hospital. And so I did that. And I had the idea in my mind to breastfeed. I wanted to breastfeed. I wanted to go natural in the hospital. Um, I was pretty headstrong about that. And I'm a pretty headstrong person. (laughs) Um, But when it came down to it, it, I, I would say my... I had a lot of people. So when I went into labor, I had the idea of having a lot of people around me. Um, and I feel like that hindered a lot of my birth experience. Um, but I learned a lot from it. So, I mean, I had a really easygoing pregnancy and I ended up going into labor at 40 weeks, 40 weeks. And I, my water broke. I like, um, went to my little sister's basketball game and I remember I went to Sonic and I was like, I'm going to get my last Sonic drink before I go into labor. And I got home, I sat on the couch and I went on to get on my phone and I thought I had to go to the bathroom and I got up, I heard, I heard it. It went, and it was just like the movies, you know, I just started flowing and filled up my underwear. I sat on the toilet and it was just going and my adrenaline kicked in first time mom. And I 
was eager. I wanted to get to the hospital and get it going. My sister, she was like, relax, take a shower, enjoy some time. But I didn't listen to her. So I went to the hospital within the hour and I invited my mom, my dad, my little sister, my best friend. My grandma eventually came with her boyfriend who ended up getting kicked out of my room. There was just a lot of people. I I think of it like, I don't know if anyone has seen, um, I think it's Home on the Range. It's a cartoon. And at the end, everyone, all the animals are surrounding her, this cow, all of them. And it just felt like a big old barnyard party. So I ended up having a 38-hour labor after my water broke. And I tried really hard to go natural, but I after like 18 hours, they pumped me with antibiotics. And then I um, got the state all. And then I, um, around thir- at 33 hours, I ended up getting the epidural and I fell asleep. And then I woke up at a 10 and I pushed him out. Like, I think they said 12 minutes and I tore, I had hemorrhoids. He was eight pounds, beautiful. Um, I mean, It was the typical hospital birth routine stuff that they do, you know. Um, I ended up staying two days in the hospital because I ended up getting long-term nerve damage from my epidural. So I deal with that still today. Um, And yeah, that was his birth. I mean, it. I still, I think the one thing that really in my mind stuck out that the OBGYN told me, she, she came in later and she was like, your body is not broken. And this doesn't mean that you can't go natural next time. And so that right there kind of like sparked me and was like, you know, like something happened. I don't know what, but something happened. And uh, so I moved from Missouri and when my son was about four months old and I came out into the country and I was able to just really dive into who I wanted to be as a mother and as a person and got to really just not have those outside influences. I really got to just think for myself And that's when I started, I stopped vaccinating my son because he had bad reactions. I was still breastfeeding. I started cloth diapering. I started getting really big into natural eating and all of that and birth. Um, I started digging about a year into my postpartum. I started digging into birth and I had some friends who were natural minded and Well, one of them had had a successful unassisted birth. And I was like, wow, that's really incredible. So I added myself to pages and I started getting knowledgeable about physiological birth. And I remember when, actually, Taylor, when you and I first um, started talking when our little boys were young, um, I remember talking to you about unassisted birth and I, I was talking about like we, we had shared our birth stories with 
you, your midwife, and then my hospital. And I remember talking about, I don't know if you remember it, um, but you were, you know, like uh, interested in the idea and was like, yeah, so we kind of like connected on that level. Yeah, we- I was talking about um, that book that had gotten recommended to me. I can't remember the name right now, but it talked about um, the dark side of the hospital birth and interventions. And yeah. I had been reading that and exploring unassisted birth and that was right about the time that we connected before I had started attending and everything. Yes, yes, it was. Um, I love that because then we um, went our separate ways and then we connected, like we did, we connected again at a wonderful, incredible time. Um, and you've been a big part of my journey as well. Just watching, you know, on the back, back burner, you know, I just kind of I'm an observer and I just love it. I love what you do. Um, But yeah, so I then, I was exploring all the health stuff and um, my husband and I had planned to get pregnant again. And after I started, so I don't get my fertility back for a good year or two after I have my babies because I breastfeed and I'm, I mean, I know some people who breastfeed do, but I just happen to not. So I didn't get my fertility back until I was just two months shy of two years postpartum. And then, um, I had, you know, like, you know how they regulate and you have like six weeks, something like that. So I ended up having like three cycles altogether. Um, And then my third cycle, after my third cycle, I got pregnant with my little boy, Silas. And I remember going to a midwife. We met with a midwife. I was exploring. I really wanted to go unassisted. I had been reading about it. I knew successful stories. And it was just something I really wanted to do, but I wanted to also explore all my options. So I went and met with midwife and we don't have, we didn't have too many here in my County. Um, back five years ago, they've, they come and go, I guess in the County, or at least I wasn't knowledgeable. I feel like it's really expanded a lot in five years, like the birth keepers, the unlicensed midwives, and even licensed midwives and stuff. Um, so I love it. But I didn't know a lot of other midwives. So I just interviewed one. And I walked out of there. And I looked at my husband. And I go, what do you want to do? And he goes, well, it's your body, babe. So I know you're going to do whatever you want to do. And right there, I, I was like, okay, I'm going to go unassisted. And I did, and it was a wonderful, beautiful pregnancy. Um, I did have a moment. So when I was nine weeks pregnant with him, I um, started bleeding and I lost like a clot. So I don't know. I feel like it was probably um, a subchorionic hematoma. Is that what it is? Or hemorrhage? Hemorrhage, yeah. Okay. Um, so, and then I bled for until I was 12 and a, 12 and a half weeks, I think 12 or 12 and a half weeks. I kept bleeding. Um, 
I never went to the hospital because I just felt like my body would pass if I was passing my baby. And if not, like I, I felt like everything was okay. And it was, I ended up feeling him move right about 12 and a half weeks. And it was very reassuring and beautiful. So I then went on to have an ultrasound with him um, um, like 20 weeks or 17 weeks actually is what it was. And we found out he was a boy. And then um, I just went on the rest of my pregnancy, like peaceful. I, I did track my urine. I tracked my blood pressure and um, I did my fundal height and I didn't really track my weight, but I just, I mean, I did the things at home just for fun. And then, um, and then I ended up, I don't know how to say this, how to go into this, but he ended up, um, I lost him at 39 weeks and, uh, it wasn't, this is hard for me. I don't know how to like slide into this without, so one day it was a normal day. It was new year's Eve. Um, we were playing games and I remember feeling him and I remember feeling his head, but I didn't know that it was his head at the time. And I was like bobbling it. And I was like, Oh, there he is. But he was being really still. And so I believe he passed away that night because I didn't feel him the next day, but I did, I was like feeling contraction. So my husband and I, we made love that night and I woke up the next day and I was folding all of his clothes and putting him Silas's clothes and putting them in his laundry basket. And then, and I kept feeling contractions And I noticed like later in the day, in the evening, I was like, you know, I don't think that I had felt Silas move. So, or Silas wasn't his name. We had not picked out a name for him yet. Um, But I didn't think that I had felt him move. And he was a very, very active baby. I never needed to check his heartbeat. I never had... I I always, every morning, my husband would kiss my stomach and he would kick back to him. He was just so responsive from 12 and a half weeks on, like I felt him every day. And uh, so that night I told my husband and he was like, well, what's up? And I was like, well, I, I mean, I, I don't, I think, think. I think everything's okay, you know? And so I just, I was like, let's wait till the morning. He's usually really active in the morning. So woke up that next morning. Um, My husband kissed. I didn't feel anything. And so I got up, I was doing my thing and I was just like kind of feeling something was wrong. So I started texting my husband and I was like, I don't feel or our baby moving. Um, do you think you can come home from work? And he came home. I mean, I had drank the orange juice and done all of that. And he came home and we ended up going to the hospital a little bit later in the day. And it was a terrible experience. 
um, they rolled, like, they started asking me about all of my information, my midwife information. And I was just like, I'm, you know, I have a midwife. I'm not going to give you that information. It's, it's whatever. And then they got me in, they wheeled me back. They were like, oh, maybe we're going to have a baby today. And I walked in and I told them, you know, I just, I just want to have an ultrasound. I feel like something is going on. I just want to have an ultrasound. And they all were, oh, maybe we're going to have a baby. They rolled me back there and started, they wanted me to have, do a urine sample. And I had been tracking my urine. I knew I, nothing was wrong. Um, I didn't have any infections. So I was like, why do you need my urine? Like, I just want to come in and get an ultrasound, you know? I don't need you to do the whole routine X, Y, Z, everything you guys need to do. I just want what I'm asking for, please. And this lady told me, she was like, this isn't a clinic. You can't just request whatever you want. It's like, well, okay. So I finally told him, I was like, okay, guys. I went, I'm going unassisted. I've done all my prenatal work myself and I just really want you guys to give me an ultrasound. So I ended up peeing in the cup for them and they were happy after that. And then they started doing the ultrasound and that's when we found out that he had passed away and nothing was wrong on the ultrasound. So no infections. I'd let them do blood work at the end. I didn't have any infections. You know, I just, it, it's a part of life and, you know, death is just as much. And sometimes we don't always know those answers. So, um, the rest of my experience there was horrible. I ended up signing out AMA because the doctor looked at me and was like, you know, like you can go septic and you can die and your kids need you or your child needs you talking about my oldest and uh, you need to come here next time. So this doesn't happen again. And it was terrible things that were all untrue. And she was like, we need to get you in. Oh, I'm sorry. I skipped over this. My baby was breech. And so they wanted to do an inversion. And I had sat, I asked them to leave the room I sat for a while with it as to what I was going to do. And I knew ultimately I trusted my body. I knew that, or I felt strongly that my body could do the work and my baby also could do the work that it needed to do. So I wanted to go home. I wanted to think about it. I asked them, you know, if I could go home and they were like, well, you'll go septic, you'll die. We need to give you a cesarean. I, and I said, I can, all of that can happen with a cesarean as well. And the doctor looked at me and she goes, yes, you're right. And she walked out of the room and I never saw her again. So I ended up signing out AMA. I went home. I sat with my baby. I took some pictures I took a bath. Um, I reached out to some people and I was looking for midwives to try to attend my birth. Um, he was breech, so 
no one would that I knew of would legally attend. Um, and I didn't want to be alone in that moment because I didn't know what my options were legally, even though I do now. Um, but I didn't know them at that time. And so I had a, the midwife that I interviewed in the beginning with him reached out to me and she, cause she saw a post that I had posted on Facebook asking for, um, some midwives. So she reached out and she told me that there was an OBG or an OB that would, um, deliver him or not deliver him would oversee me delivering him in the hospital. And, but he wanted me to be induced and that didn't settle with me. Um, I ended up doing it. I talked with my husband and I kind of allowed his fears to convince me to go get induced. Um, so I went the next morning. So the timeline goes, he passed away, I believe New Year's Eve. Um, on the second, I went to the hospital. And then on the fourth, I went to a different hospital and I birthed him. So I went there early in the morning and I got, uh, they wanted to give me Pitocin, but I have nerve problems from my previous birth. And I asked them, I thought that that is what did it. I thought that that would flare me up. I had not had any pharmaceuticals for two years. Um, so I was like, I don't want anything. And they were like, well, we need to get this going. And so I was like, okay, well, I don't want Pitocin. And they said, well, you can have Cytopec. And I was like, well, I read up on Cytotec and I know that it's not FDA approved. And I know that you don't have dosages. And I know that if you put it how you routinely put it in your vagina, there's no filtration. I'm like, I don't want that. So they made up a dose and gave it to me and orally. Um, and then I puked it up 30 minutes later and I was in labor pretty much. And I was just going full force. Um, so I just kind of stuck my, I had an on-call nurse come in specifically for me. Um, and then I turned on my Pandora, some Sarah Lachlan and... I think that was the, the, I think that was the playlist and I played it. And then my husband and I, no one, everyone left us alone. We just had really intimate moment. Um, I had one time the cleaning lady came in to change my trash and she gave me a hug and cried with me. And she was just like, I don't remember her words specifically, but it was basically like, it's, it's okay. Like you're not, it's okay, but it's your, it's not, you'll get your time. I forget how she placed it, but her words set really beautifully on me. 
in that moment, you know, and I had like the nurse at one point come in with lavender essential oils and just wave it around the room. And it was a very different experience um, for it being a hospital birth. So, and for what it was. And I respected that. I respect them and I appreciate them for um, that experience. So I ended up, his birth was only, his labor was only four hours long. And I remember I was like changing positions between on the couch from like hands and knees to laying over on my side on my husband's lap. Um, a few times I would like use the doorway of the bathroom and I'd sit on it sometimes um, to that would really relieve pressure. And then I remember laying there and the nurse asked me how I was doing. And I remember thinking, okay, so I met the doctor at 1230. That's the first time I met the doctor. He came in and he was like, so I'm thinking we'll get you on some Pitocin. And I looked at him and I had to, I worked through a contraction. And then I told him, I was like, we're not doing Pitocin. I'm, my body's doing what it needs to do. And he said, you know your body the best and I'm going to trust that. And he left. So um, I labored for a little bit longer. The nurse came in and asked me how I was doing. And at that point, I remember thinking like, if I have to go through any more, just, just cut him out of me. Like, I can't do this anymore. This is a lot. And so I told the, the nurse to go get me some, uh, pain medication and she left the room and I hopped up on my hands and knees and I started pushing and my water broke and out he was coming. It was immediate. Um, there were, because he was breech, my water was full of meconium as I was pushing him out. Um, so they had me move to the bed, which was the worst thing in that whole birth experience, that was, that right there was just the worst part was moving. I wish they would, I asked them, can I please birth my baby wherever I need to birth my baby? And they made me move to the bed. And of course, in that moment, when you're in your most vulnerable state, possibly you, it's hard to say no. So I moved there and I pushed on my back and um, the, before the doctor came in, his body was halfway out. Um, he was butt first. And then, um, so his body, two pushes, his body came out and then I rested for the next contraction with his head in. And at that moment, um, they told me why he had passed away, which I do not believe. I believe it was the only physical thing that they could see and they went with it. So his cord was wrapped. And so they instantly said that as he was not even all the way out of my body. It was kind of, I guess that probably trumps the other one. That's probably number one terrible thing about it. But um, 
so yeah i mean he was born and he was beautiful and nothing appeared to be wrong with him and i don't believe their story that they tell me because you know i had i had an ultrasound i had ultrasounds in in the you know after he passed like i don't i just don't if Sometimes I just think that we're not always meant to know, you know, the answers and everything. And humans, we just want to know everything and we have to find a reason. And we, if we have to find some kind of link or connection or something to why this happened. So, um, so there was that. And I mean, I, I went on with a very positive outlook about it. Um, he really still, he inspired me um, to speak out, speak about him. You know, still, I still honored and trusted our bodies and I still trust birth and, tr and all of that. You know, I spoke out when people would ask me, what, what I would do if I regretted or what I would do next time. Like I told them, you know, I don't think, I think I would do everything the same. I really do believe I didn't. It's not that I did anything wrong. There was nothing that they could find. Babies die all the time in a hospital. You know, I get the, my baby got to live a pure life of pregnant, you know, in my pregnancy of not being, I wasn't stressed all the time. I wasn't constantly going to appointments. I wasn't being poked. I wasn't being just all of this. I wasn't being documented, you know, he, he wasn't being documented. It was, yeah. So I really came out of it. We ended up naming him Silas Kai and we got him cremated and he sits here in my bedroom um his siblings know about him and speak of him he's still a big part of our family so i uh i ended up i i so i i nursed connor through that pregnancy and then i nursed him after the pregnancy and for two years after the pregnancy. So he would nurse for four and a half years. It was kind of like a connection for both of us, along with my milk coming in. There was, there was like so much to that journey. Um, and then we got pregnant. I got pregnant with Damien, my third son around he was born in 2020, so I guess a year, a little over a year later. Um, and I, I struggled a lot with myself, um, with my fears, because like as confident as I was after having silent or Silas, I also a lot of fears popped up into my head once I had another life inside of me again. 
So I went back and forth with myself a lot um, on what I was going to do. I bled again with Damien. Um, I bled, oh, excuse you. My youngest is awake. She's tooting. <laughs> um, so I bled again with Silas for, or sorry, with Damien. Um, in the beginning, I, th I think in the beginning of my pregnancy, or maybe I know I definitely bled in the end around 35 weeks. Um, and I had a, just, I, I have great pregnancies. I really do. I mean, I have nothing to complain about them other than like some back pain, but what, I mean, that's normal. <laughs> I don't, I have, I have incredible pregnancies. I carry great healthy babies and nothing crazy so I mean I with Damien I didn't track things like I did with Silas I didn't um check my blood pressure excuse me I didn't um I didn't even really do my fundal height very much um or urine I didn't do urine at all you know and I did go in um, around, oh, okay, I'm so sorry. So with Silas, I bled and I found out that I was pregnant with him while I was bleeding. I was on a three-week period and which I thought was just, I, I was getting my cycle back. So I thought that it was just me getting my cycle back, but I started getting morning sickness and stuff. And I was like, okay, wait a second. And I took pregnancy tests and I stopped bleeding two days after. Wow. Um, yes. And I was probably seven weeks. I think I was around seven weeks. I start getting morning sickness about six and a half, seven weeks typically. Um, so yeah, found out I was pregnant with him. And then I went and I got a... Um, proof of pregnancy from the um, clinic or the health department, you know, just because I was like, well, if I go unassisted, then um, I want this. And I went and did that. And the lady there tried to tell me that I, because I was refusing an ultrasound um, and I had told, you know, they kind of knew like my history because, they ask about those things. If you've ever had a stillborn, if you, you know, that kind of stuff. So she tried pressuring me into getting an ultrasound and told me I didn't know how far along I was and blah, blah, blah. I couldn't have possibly felt my baby move because I felt Damien move at almost 10 weeks. It was just shy of 10 weeks. And I'm a very, very, very petite person. So I feel my babies very early. I didn't feel my first that early, but I felt every other one pretty early. And she tried arguing with me about it and put a picture up to her pelvis and said, your baby's not above your pelvic bone at 10 weeks. And it was just a lot. So she measured my fundal height. I was right on track with what I had said. And she was like, okay, well, maybe you are. Um, I ended up leaving there with just my paperwork, like I asked for. And then around 30 weeks, I 
because I was getting further along in my um, pregnancy and I lost Silas so late in my pregnancy, I started getting those fears. And I knew that a midwife would not do anything that would prevent my baby from passing away if that was what was meant for our like our journey in life. I knew that there wasn't anything, but most of it was like, I, when you decide to go unassisted and I know you ladies can relate to me, there's this sense of responsibility that we choose to take on, which we should always take on. But I wasn't prepared to take that responsibility again. I mean, it would have been my responsibility either way, because it's my responsibility to take care of my body when I'm pregnant, to take care of my baby. You know, there's, it's my responsibility to relax, to eat healthy, to stay hydrated, all of that. But there's judgment that comes with that, you know, and other people, it, I just, I wasn't prepared for that. You know, if anything were to happen or anything, I just wasn't healed. I didn't feel enough to be like, this is a part of life, you know, and, and, and I didn't really feel like anything was going to happen. It just, it was some kind of blanket of security. I don't know how to explain it. I guess for like, part of it was legal. Part of it was judgment part of like I just didn't know what I would fall into and so I allowed my fear to take over and I reached out to the same midwife that um, I had interviewed with Silas and she took me on and they were very respectful to me because they knew my story and they knew that how I viewed birth, how I view pregnancy, how I don't believe that we need all of that. It's what we want, you know, like, unless something, unless you're really feeling something is wrong or it's, yeah. So they, they didn't pressure me. They didn't pressure me at all, which was great. And, um, I maybe did the urine test a couple of times, which I did it myself. They allowed me to go into the bathroom to do it myself for the blood, um, the glucose. I ended up just pricking my home at fing- my finger at home for a week. Um, sorry, she's getting a little tired. Um, and then COVID came into the picture, and really, like they. <laughs> we didn't do really house or any calls. It was still, it was still a lot of me just, we ended up, my family got sick for a little bit. Um, We didn't have really prenatal visits. So it was still really peaceful. Um, And then when I ended up going into labor with him, it was a Friday, I believe. And I went to Walmart and I was looking at the toys and I remember these two ladies, I was having a contraction and these two ladies come in or like drive roll by on their carts and they're like, oh, 
she looks you look like you're almost there and I was like oh yeah I'm having a contraction she's like oh yeah you're almost there so um I went home I it was it was just really I was like in that really dreamy state you know I remember being really dreamy I remember thinking I've kind of been having consistent contractions throughout the day but I was totally in denial um I remember like dozing in and out watching TV and then and I would I was really really drawn to water with Damien I was really drawn to water so I would I kept running the bath getting in getting out and around four o'clock in the morning is when it hit me that I was in labor because I started puking and none of it none of the back-to-back contractions or anything like that got me but I started puking and I was like oh I remember this like this is part of birth and I do this with every birth so um I called my, I was like, hey, honey, I think that, you know, I'm, this was about six o'clock, I think is when my, yeah, my husband woke up and I was like, hey, honey, I think, you know, we're going to have a baby today. And um, he was like, okay, well, what do you want me to do? And I was like, well, just go back to bed and I'll call you when I need you. And so he went back to bed and he just, he said he stayed up, but he just chilled in the room. And we had our uh, Connor in the bedroom. He was here for the birth too. So around seven, they got up and out of bed. And then um, I'm puking and I'm on, you know, on the bathroom floor. And he's like, what do you want to do? Do you want to call the midwife? And I was like, no, I don't want to call her yet. I think I'm okay. And then 30 minutes later, I told him, I was like, okay, I guess we'll call her. And I thought, you know, in my mind, I was like, I'll I'll do it alone. Like I will, I got no problem doing it alone. But then I was like, well, shoot, I paid this money for her to come. And (laughs) I guess I will. So we called her and she didn't answer. And at that point I said, I'll do it alone. I was in it. And, um, I got a call back a little bit later, not too much longer later. And they were at another birth, but that mama was transferring. And so they did her a very terrible disjust disjustice and left her and came to my birth and then I ended they arrived at like 8 30 and I had him at like 10 20 so they just pretty much hung out in the living room with my pups and I birthed I just labored in the bathtub and when he was coming I just said babe babe baby's coming you know and I was kind of like I was I was kind of leaning back um just how you would sit in a bathtub is how I was I was and he came out both midwives came in because there was an assistant with her uh 
they came in and they just kind of watched and um a couple times throughout the labor or throughout the birth they they did uh check for damien's heartbeat and they asked me they were pretty respectful and then uh i was like when i was pushing though i felt like I was being watched and I instantly felt like I went from that involuntary pushing to like forceful. I had to make myself push and I tore um, with him, but he came right out. I felt like it was longer. It was about 20 minutes of pushing. And I remember when I was pushing, I was like, why is this taking so long? And the midwife was like, do you normally birth your babies quickly? And I was like, yeah. And she goes, just breathe, just breathe. And I just started breathing and he started coming out. But um, yeah, I ended up tearing with him and I got hemorrhoids. But with Silas, even though he was breech, I never tore, I never got hemorrhoids. I had a very, very smooth healing postpartum with Silas. Um, I did get a small cyst from pressure, but it went right away. Um, and then, yeah, so with Damien, I mean, I tore. I had a little hemorrhoid. I tore at the top, which I've never healed. I never healed correctly, but it's fine. It's just a part of me now. I didn't get stitches or anything like that. Um, we took five days to name him. And we were pressured the entire time to name him. Uh, I breastfed him. And then... He breastfed until he was just shy of two. He weaned on his own. Um, and then I got pregnant with Xavier, my little girl, who was my free birth. And my last birth, I believe, as it's the last birth, <laughs> I got my birthing goals. So, um yeah, I got pregnant with her when he was around a year and a half. And I, of course, struggled in my mind again what I wanted to do. But I ended up um, just trusting myself. And I sat with myself a lot. And I said, is this fear or is this intuition? And I always ended it with, this is just fear. You know your baby is okay. And you know that your journey is written for you. And like, this is, I, I kept saying, this is a new baby. This is a new pregnancy. I said that with my, with Damien as well. What got me through it a lot. Um, yeah, so... And then I started going to prenatals, some village prenatals that you would host. And I connected with other moms. That was really helpful. Um, I also, my best friend got pregnant and towards the end. So towards the end of my pregnancy with Xavier, my fear really started kicking in. And you tell them. 
um, it really started kicking in and I had to really think like, I had to think about birth because I was, I had never been afraid to give birth out of all, all my pregnancies. I had, I had never been afraid to actually give birth and something in me was like scared to give birth. I was like, what is going on? And so my best friend got pregnant and she would call me and ask me questions and I would answer them and I would be so confident in answering these questions. And it helped me. It helped me remember how powerful our bodies are and how we don't have to do anything. We don't have to think about it. We just have to do it. Just get into it. Your body knows what it's doing. Just don't overthink it. And, um, and yeah, it just really, it helped solidify that, you know, I didn't want people impeding in on me. Some people like to have people around them. I am not one of those individuals. I like to be alone when I birth. I like to be alone when I labor. I, I like to be alone in general. <laughs> um, so to think why I would want people in my space in such a vulnerable and intimate time doesn't make sense. So it just really solidified that. And um, yeah, those last couple of weeks, I was, I was a lot more confident than I thought that I would be because of all of that talking with my best friend and going to village prenatals. And it was really nice. Um, I got to hear my baby. I got to hear her on the fetoscope for the very first time with you, Taylor, and the only time, actually. And it was the most surreal thing. Like, it was just, I never have felt emotional hearing my baby's heartbeat than that moment. I tried to hear it with Damien, but I never could because he had a anterior placenta. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I couldn't, the midwife was like, do you hear that? And I was like, I don't hear anything. <laughs> but um, I got to hear Xavier's right away instantly. It was beautiful. Yeah, she was right there. She was ready. She was like, here, mom, I'm good. Yes, yes it was so loud. Oh. So, yeah, I went into labor with her. Um, oh, gosh, I don't know how far I was, actually, because I never really knew, like, the exact date. So I was around 39 weeks, I think, because I just gave myself, I gave myself a estimated due date within a couple weeks. I was like, I'm, I'm either here or I'm within a week or two of there. Um, but I ended up having her on her grandpa's birthday. And I think that was, it was a little bit earlier than what I had my date set at. Um, so I say she was probably like 39 weeks because that just seems to be the time frame that I go into labor at. Um, but it doesn't matter, right? <laughs> she was, uh, ready. And so I went into labor with her when she was ready and I 
was having contractions like in through the night, but nothing strong. I was able to sleep the entire time. I woke up at around 7.30 that morning and it was on a weekend and I would, I worked through her pregnancy um, at this, at a cemetery, just cleaning like the facilities on the weekends. It was a really short, like hour and a half shift that I would do on the weekends. So that's what I did. I got up, I was feeling her, con her contractions. They were like within five minutes, they were pretty close together. So I went to work and I did my thing and I got home about 1030 and my husband and I had plans. It was my, it was my father-in-law's birthday. So we had plans to go into town. We were going to uh, run and dump some stuff off and then go to my father-in-law's and then I forget what else we had planned, but I remember I got home. I started making pancakes. I asked my, or I started eating my pancakes. I asked my husband to make me pancakes for when I got home. So I tried to eat those, but I couldn't really get much down. And I'm like pacing, trying to clean up the house a little bit. My husband's like outside doing yard work stuff. And I'm just like, having to really breathe through my contractions and leaning over the stool and the counter. And I'm like, yeah, we're not going anywhere today. <laughs> not going to happen. And my husband comes in and I tell him I wouldn't plan on going anywhere. And he goes, okay, well, can I at least go take this stuff to dump it off? And then I'll be back. And I said, well, if you go, you're going to risk missing the birth. And he was like, okay. And so he had me sit down and try to relax on the couch. And it was, I had both kiddos home. It was a lot, it was a lot of noise. And I just kept thinking, I just want to get into the bath. So I did, I went to the bathroom and my husband turned on the video game and played with the boys. And I just spent my time in the bathtub and I had some lavender Epsom salt in there and I was just I smoked a doobie and <laughs> you can cut that out if you want but <laughs> um I uh yeah just chilled in the bathtub and labored and that was like around 11 15 and then um I mean I had her at one it was a really quick labor I don't know I there was not much to her story really, because she just was so fast. I mean, I started, I started puking pretty quickly and then all the music got turned off and um, lights got turned off, camera got turned on and it recorded for about 45 minutes, I think, until she was crowning and then I mean, yeah, she was there. So like I called my husband in. I said, she's coming. And oh, no, no, no. So my water had broke. I just felt my water broke or my water release a little bit. And I was feeling a little pushy. So I hollered for my husband. And I was like, babe, he comes in. He's like, I'm like, I'm feeling a little pushy. And he goes, yeah. 
He goes, how you feeling? I go, or I go, I don't think I want to do this again. He was like, why? I go, I think I'm done having kids. And he's like, yeah, you think so? And then whatever, he started talking. And then I started pushing. And um, I'm trying to think. It's so hard. There's so many births, you know. And she's the most recent one you'd think I'd know. So... I started, okay, so I was like bent over, or I was bent on my knees, um, trying to push her out that way, and I was feeling her little head, like squishy up in there, and I was like, oh, is she breech? I was like, this is weird, like, is this a cord, or is she breech, or like, what's going on, you know, and then I just kind of was, I was leaning into my push, pushing down a little bit more. And I could feel her hair start to come out into the bathtub. And so that instantly I was like, oh no, that's her head. So I just kind of started feeling her hair flow around in the bathtub. And then I started to get a Charlie horse and I, I wanted this whole time. So my husband and I were in a very rough spot in this pregnancy um, with our relationship. And we spent a lot of it kind of distanced to each other, which was very different from my other pregnancies. And I was a lot more emotional with her. I was a lot more um, just just distant from him and him from me and we were not not a lot of physical touch and all of that but I kept I just kept saying I wanted him to catch her I just really wanted him to catch her I didn't but then when I was in it I didn't think anything about it none of that was in my mind but I ended up getting a Charlie horse and I kept saying that she was going to be a land baby too So I kept saying that Silas would be a land baby and my husband wanted me to have a water birth with him, but he ended up being a land baby. Um, With Damien, I knew I was drawn to water. Something told me um, he would be a water baby. And then with Xavier, we didn't find out Damien or Xavier's um, gender either. But with Xavier, I kept saying she's going to be a land baby, but I couldn't see how I'll ever give birth not in water again, because it's such a big relief for me um, during labor. And so I ended up getting a Charlie horse and I was like, babe, I got to stand up. You may have to catch the baby. And I ended up having stand up because my legs were cramping and she shot out and he fumbled her and then caught her and I flipped around somehow really quick and grabbed her and then she was just full of full of burnix and she took like a little second to cry but she was quivering and then she cried and then I kind of sucked her but I didn't like with my mouth but there I didn't need to I realized shortly after I was like, nah, she really had it. I didn't need to do that. Um, But it wasn't anything major. And yeah, she, she just flew out and was 
she can have these beautiful blue eyes from the day she was born. And um, I filled up the bathtub. So she had meconium in her waters quite a bit. I guess Damien did too, but just a little bit. But hers were like green. And but she was fine. I mean, I just I put the water out. I filled the water back up, got us a little bit warm. Um, and then I was ready to get out. So we transferred to my bed. And then within an hour of pretty much an hour of the birth, I wanted to work on my placenta. And so I laid her down. I had my husband grab a bowl and I just kind of had one leg up, one knee on the bed. And I just gave it one good push, one or two good pushes and it plopped right out and it was big. And uh, then you came over within an hour later and we cut the cord and you weighed her. And I just say she weighs eight pounds. I know it was like slightly under, but I'm just like, yeah, she's eight pounds. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that was it. And it took us a week and then we named her and that was pretty much it. I mean, it's been amazing since then. I've gotten invited to two births since then. My best friend wanted me to be at her birth and my brother, his wife, who's pregnant with her eighth child, wants to finally have a home birth and she wants me to be there. (laughs) that's awesome I did have one question um when did you after birth look to see that she was a girl and how did you feel so I was not ecstatic it's weird I don't know why I guess all of the it wasn't that I was upset but it was normal like it was just oh okay like I have a girl and it was before we got out of the bathtub. So when she was coming out, my husband was like, Oh, he's coming. Oh, I mean the baby's coming. And then, um, she came out and my husband announced it right away. And I, I remember I was just like, shh, shh, shh. <laughs> I'm just like, shh, don't say anything. Like, Damn. And then, but then after, you know, it was, it was so normal to me. I don't know. I just kind of, I wasn't going to be, I didn't feel like I would have been shocked either way, whether she was a girl or ended up being another boy. I felt like, yeah, I don't know. Just very normal, but it she, it was announced very quickly. I remember, oh, I yelled at my husband as well not after the birth, but during, because he was like touching her head. So she wouldn't, he wasn't pushing or anything, but I guess just being so sensitive right there at that moment, I was like, don't touch her. And he's like, I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. And then instead of just saying that, like he kept going on and I was like, just shut the fuck up. (laughs) Just shut up. Okay. But um, other than that, you know, not too many intense moments, but it was, it was like right as she came out, my husband announced her gender and then it was just very normal. Okay, cool. And is there any other advice that you would give for either women having an unassisted birth or women that are pregnant with their rainbow babies after a loss and any advice that you would share for them? 
Yes. Um, just, just trust yourself. And remember that we have been doing this, like, we've been doing this for thousands, like, years. I don't even know how long, you know, our species has existed. But this is something throughout all of our, or all species, it's something that is so natural. And we are the only species that thinks so deeply into it. And if you just allow it to be, it is the most rewarding thing that a woman could possibly ask for, in my opinion. It's so fulfilling to just go with whatever it may be. Just go with your intuition. Don't go with the outsiders, the um, influences and all of that. Just sit with yourself and sit with your baby and really trust yourself and just know that, you know, just trust. That's my biggest thing is, is trusting your body, trusting your baby, knowing that they're both wise and they know what to do. And the biggest barrier that's in between that is our brains. Um, as far as rainbow, having a rainbow baby and another honest... That one's hard because the other thing is, or the biggest thing is just trust, trusting and listening to your intuition and understanding what is fear, what is intuition. Um, if you feel, if you feel like something is truly wrong, you know, trust that intuition, go get help, just Listen to your body. Don't listen to other people is my biggest thing. Um, far too many of us. She wanted to put a little bit in there as well. <laughs> but we just, we, we seek out too many outside um, advice. I have too much outside advice, I feel, or we listen to people that we love and mean well for us, but we put our thoughts on the back burner and stuff. So, I mean, I don't have a whole lot. I'm not really um, fancy with words or anything. I can really just tell my experience and Hope that women can at least get something from it, you know? Not everything is going to resonate with everyone, and that's fine because it's my journey. And, um, yeah, I just hope that, you know, someone, because I have so many stories that I have listened to from other women that I can I that have given me a sense of, uh, secure, like a, what is the words? I'm telling you, I'm not very good with words sometimes. Like reassurance. Yes. A sense of reassurance, or I've looked back and I've, um, can relate to something through another woman, or there's just women's stories have brought me a lot throughout my life of motherhood, I would say. Um, 
I feel like it's very important that we share. And as much as mine may be different from a lot of other women's, I'm very proud of it. And yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Your stories, all of your stories are very powerful. Thank you so much. Yeah. I had a few comments. I also have a question. Um, yeah. What you said about fear versus intuition and how you had to ask yourself that. I find that that is most people that choose free birth in talking with women that share their story. They say that I know I experienced that myself with all of mine. Um, where we sit with that. It's like, is this a fear or is this intuition? And it can sometimes be hard to decipher that. Mm -hmm. um, that was awesome that you recognize that. I've never heard anybody else say that, uh, like sitting with themselves, because that's something I talk about a lot. Another thing was like the, the whole forced life thing, like it is all planned out beforehand. Like it doesn't matter. We can do all the things right. But some babies don't come here to come walk around on the world. Like they're not here to it was their journey to endure a pregnancy and experience pregnancy. That was their soul. Uh, that's their desire. And then they weren't ever going to be here and be alive. Yeah. Doctors try to find something and they're like, oh, it was the cord. As if they don't understand how the wart and jelly works, like while they're in utero, does not coagulate or, you know, get pinched or snagged inside the womb. That's not something that happens. And I don't know if they don't learn that or what, but they just try and find something. And it's like, they'll find these silly excuses people actually believe it a lot of the time. I'm glad that you didn't. And you were like, no, sometimes we just don't get answers. And that is a part of life. Yes. Um, I did wonder though, after Silas's birth, did you get time spent with him? How was that? Did you get photos? Did you get keepsakes like hand molds or footprints or anything like that? So yes, um, we, I got offered the midwife that I reached out to offered to doula for me and she also um like gave me information to the lay uh now I lay me down I think it's yeah. a say that again now I lay me down to sleep the photographers yeah. that do still birth yeah. yeah so she gave me um information about that and they would have done like um professional photography and they would have done those hand molds and stuff like that but um i chose not to i just wanted it to be very intimate my husband and i um but i did get photos and i and that is thank you for asking that because that is something that I would, um, if anyone ever did experience anything like a stillbirth or um, even a loss after pregnancy or anything, get photos. And as, off, as awkward or uncomfortable as it may feel in that moment, like I had them get a photo of my husband and I together holding my baby. And that's the only like family photo that we have. And I didn't know in that moment, I'm like, what do I do? Do I smile? Do I not? So like, it was such a roller coaster of emotions. Like I was so proud of having my birthing, my breech baby, like no medication and all of those hormones just raging in my body of happiness. And then all at the same time I had 
just so sad and hurt and I didn't know what to feel. I didn't cry for like an hour or two after I, yeah, it was, it was such a wild range of emotions, but I got those pictures and I'm so thankful that I got those pictures because, and I got a clipping of his hair and I got, um, feet prints and, um, we weighed him, we measured how long he was and all of that. I, I could have got more time and I could have stayed overnight with him, but I sent my youngest or my oldest to a friend's that was like 15 minutes down the road. And at that time, I didn't have a lot of people watch my kids. I still don't. Um, But I was just, I wanted to get home. I wanted to snuggle him. I just wanted to get out of that hospital. And I, yeah, I was ready to leave. They stuck me on, that was something I didn't say, but they did put Pitocin on me after my birth. And I asked them to take it off and they didn't. So they like had me finish that bag off and I didn't get checked out until about seven o'clock that night. So I was in the hospital for a total of about 12 hours and I was just ready to get home. So I think I spent, he was, I maybe spent six hours with him, I think. And then, um, they had some paperwork issues. So it took a little bit longer before he was cremated. And I got to see him again at the nursing home. They had him like all wrapped up in my muslin blanket that I was going to weigh him in. And um, we just got to hold him and we spent another about an hour or maybe an hour and a half with him and Connor got to see him and that was just he was playing peekaboo with him like they had him in a little bassinet I don't know they're trying to make it look as I don't know the word but as comfortable as possible so he's like playing peekaboo with Silas not understanding he would touch him and he's like why is he cold but he but the the he got to you know see him and bond with him and I have pictures of them and he was still nursing so I nursed Damien or Connor sorry while I was holding Silas and got a picture of that that's probably my most cherished picture that I have thank goodness that my husband took that and uh so yeah I mean I probably got a total of like eight hours with him between both both times um wonderful that's more than some that's more than some and that your other child was able to see him I've not heard of that happening yeah it was you know I remember getting home from the hospital and I just thought I didn't get enough pictures I'm going to forget what he looks like I'm not going to remember him and I was so scared so I was very thankful that um I got to see him again at the hospital and I got to give him that muslin blanket which they told me they cremated him in it with it um and Connor got to see him. I could, yeah, it was just, 
I was very thankful for that. I ended up getting a necklace made with his ashes. Yummy. And uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like he, his purpose on this earth was bigger than being on this earth as a physical being. Like he, his life was not meant to be long physically in that body. Um, But he taught me so much. And he still continues to. And I feel like he made a huge impact on not only my life, but a lot of other people's lives that surround me and my family. And that makes sense. I hear a lot of people say the same thing that experience similar to what you shared. You had said he passed, you you believe, days before he was born. And it makes me wonder, um, like, what was what did his skin look like? Did it look normal? like newborn skin or was it peely like what what was that like so it was starting to bubble um he had like pockets of um fluid underneath his skin he was very white his lips were blue um and his in his skull so i don't know if it was just they, I don't know if it was when he was being born and he was coming out, like if the doctor assisted by doing, I don't know, but his bones and his, and his jaw were very flimsy. Like the bones in his head, I had to, I put a hat on him because it just kind of concaved in from that separation of the skull, you know? Right. So that was a little bit different to me. Um, not something I read about it all. I read in the time that I went home from the hospital to when I went to the next one, I started researching because I, I wanted to know what to expect. Um, if I could give birth, you know, to a breech baby, what it, would my body know what it's doing? Like, I didn't know any of that. How is my baby going to look is because some of them, their skin start to, after time, their bodies start to deteriorate. And so I read up all of that to, so I wouldn't be surprised, but I didn't, I didn't know about his head that, that did take me back a little bit, but, um, yeah, I mean, it was not quite like some of it was peeled. It had start to peel because the skin was just getting really flimsy. Um, but it was pockets of fluid and yeah. Yeah, I believe he had passed away on New Year's Eve, like just late that night. I really do. And then New Year's Day. I was questioning the second is when I went in and then I spent the third researching and then the fourth, I went in really early in the morning. Did you end up keeping his placenta or did you do anything with it or did they keep it? Good question. I had plan to keep his placenta and it was I was so excited for 
the home birth. I was going to actually do something with it. But when I was in that hospital and the nurse asked me what I wanted to do with the, I, I don't know why. I literally do not know why I said this, but I said I didn't want to keep it. And I can only think back, like in retrospect, that I just felt like something like something I didn't. I didn't keep his placenta and I feel like it has something to do with like, I felt in that moment, like, what did I do wrong? What is it? Like I was disgusted by, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but I'm, I am, I'm very regretful for that because I would have loved to have that and his source of life, you know, inside and plant that with the tree and, I would have loved to, but I didn't. I something in me told her no. And that was the first time that I had ever been asked. You know, I wasn't asked that with Connor. And I was so stunned that the lady even asked me if I wanted to do anything with my placenta. And I said no. I don't know why. I told him just to take it. Right. It, yeah, it hurts me to say it, but I don't know. And I don't know what they ever did. We ended up I ended up not getting an ultrasound on, or sorry, not an ultrasound, an autopsy on him either. They asked me if I wanted one and I researched autopsies and I, for me, I didn't feel like I wanted that for him. I didn't want them. I knew that it's, it was like only a 50% chance that I was going to find anything out anyway. Right. So I wanted to keep him intact and pure. And in my words, no one else's, if anyone ever did that, that is their choice. And I respect it 100%. But um, yeah, I, it was something I was pretty okay with knowing, with understanding that I may not know everything in this lifetime and it was okay for for me to not know why he passed away even yeah. though yeah even though they put it in their records what they believe it was I'm okay with knowing that I don't know <laughs> right I do see a lot of families um when they have a stillbirth wanting answers still like still longing for answers and hoping that the autopsy gives them something only for it to come back with nothing. Like basically you had a perfect baby and there's no reason why we could find except like the nuchal cord or a short cord or something like that. That's not actually an answer that gives them any uh, fulfillment. Yeah. 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 I do see that. But I think this has all been like so insightful. I think it'll be really helpful for people. Was there anything else that you wanted to add? Good. Um, let's see. Not finding out the gender of my babies was like the most amazing thing ever. <laughs> um, I'd add that. Other than that, like, no, just listen to your heart, follow your intuition and, and sit with your baby and listen to your baby because your body, you, you, yourself, your brain and your baby are so, so wise. 
they know exactly what to do. Well, thank you so much. We really appreciate you coming on and sharing everything. It was awesome. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed both of you all. And thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great day. Thanks for tuning in to this awesome episode of Birthkeeper Banter. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast so you can get notifications for future episodes. Again, for classes and more information, go to herbal.teachable.com. Brought to you by Herbal Training.